we must have a plan and we must have an intention and we must have goals, but it's an irony because we, nothing is in our control and things happen and that's it. There's that word again. Control. You can go to to get a PhD and do this and do that and that, and when you finish, an accident happens and you die. Nothing is in your control. The power to influence the course of events. In my last episode, my mom and I talked a lot about control and how tantalizing it is, how alluring it is, to think that we can walk through life and have a sense of what will happen next, and to prepare for it, somehow be ready to ease or avoid the pain that will one day come. But not all of us try to grasp onto control or try and rein in the inevitable. But I'm not saying that as, as, as if I was having a, a, a negative reaction to that. That's just a fact of life. I want you to meet Manuel. My name is Manuel Antonio, and the last name is Santa Ella. I was born in, in a sugarcane farm in a little town in state of Aragua, Aragua in Venezuela. I was connected to Manuel through Dr. Michael Fratkin, a palliative care innovator and physician who founded Resolution Care, a palliative care provider. Manuel is a patient of Dr. Fratkin's. He's a delightful 94-year-old who lives in a nursing home in Northern California. In 2014, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and was given six months or less to live. He was put on hospice, but after four months, he was taken off. Six years later, here he is, still alive, still trying to walk a mile a day, still trying to serve and help people in any way he can, and still laughing. Now, 94 years is obviously a long time to be alive. And so I wanted to know what Manuel could teach us about life and death. Good afternoon. Hi, Manny. This is Alexandra. Alexandra, how are you, dear one? I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? Waiting for here to hear from you. What you need to know about Manuel is that he is an extraordinary person, not only because of how he has lived his life, but also because of the number of times he has narrowly escaped death. I like to ponder things, and, and one of the things I was pondering is the six-month life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's such an irony because... <laughs> Uh, that has been happening since I was born, and I'm still here. <laughs> well, can you talk a, a little bit more about how you said that you've been dying your whole life? And Because I would love to hear the story you told me yesterday um, about your mom. If uh, uh, 
to put it in a nutshell, this you you're gonna talk about a person. Well, then you need to know the life of a person. So the the birth was that. The birth was a birth where my mother was told that the baby was dead, and and that 16 year old girl was expecting a dead baby, and here I am. <laughs> and and we talking we talking 94 years ago. No incubators, no nothing. So, so, so that's then. Then at uh, at seven years, I had a septic fever, a septic infection, and I I, I almost was hallucinating and dying for I don't know how long, but for a long time. And by sheer luck, they found, I remember, my father used to tell me a vaccine, and that took care of that. I said seven years. Then, at 12 years, I had a meningitis. And uh, I am in bed at night in my room, and the doctor comes in to check me out, and the doctor tells my father, if we don't do surgery to this guy, he will die. I remember that. At 15 years, <laughs> in a convertible, I went over a cliff. <laughs> the car went on fire, and uh, my aunt that was with me was thrown out of the car. She pulled out. She pulled me out of the car when, when the car was at the bottom of the this place, and 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 pulled me out and pushed me to the road. And there I was for she says an hour and a half, two hours, because nobody wanted to touch me because they said this guy is dead. <laughs> so an ambulance came and they took me, and I was eight weeks in a coma. Unbelievable, right? No, we're we're be, we're just starting. At eighteen, my appendix burst, and I had a, a, an infection of all the intestinal organs, and and I was bleeding. And there is an amoeba a tropical amoeba that produces a dysentery and it, it, it can make you bleed to death. And I had this appendix problem with all that infection, plus together with the dysentery, and, and I was bleeding out from, uh, from 15 to, from 15 to 30 to 38. Nothing major happened but the normal life. At 38, the gallbladder burst. And this one was worse than the appendix because this one that got me open and get all the intestinal organs out and clean that up and there was an infection everywhere. So <laughs> those, are, those were all things that they were expecting the patient, me, to die. I think we're done. 
Nope, not yet. And 42, uh, a, a tree, a tree fell on top of my legs, and I was under the tree for six hours. And both legs were destroyed, meaning broken to pieces, femur, and 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 the reason I stayed so long there is they couldn't get me out. As a result of that accident, I went I underwent a surgery of 19 hours. They told me I would never walk again. I took me four years to rehab and get to to work to walk and and and, uh, and I I'm walking to I walk today a mile and a half if I can and when I was 84 I walked 14 miles wow I'm just in awe of what you're saying I can't believe how much you've been through you well um, but you know what that has been the seed to make me who I am. Mm-hmm. I don't expect anybody to listen to this and say, well, I have to suffer to, to have an, an inner life. No, no, no. This is what happened to me. But I treasure those challenges because they have given me the, the depth, the, in a humble way, the depth that my personality has. Was there ever a point where you just felt like I have the worst luck in the world? Uh, no. Mm -mm. Ne never, uh, never, never went that. But, but I'm, when I said no, I'm not trying to say I, 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 am, I am smart, I am better. No, that's the way it happened with me. Every person is unique. Every person is like a star or a cell. Every, every, everything is different. And that's what happened to me. But those things have been seeds that, that, uh, that at this point, at this time of my life, are, are sprouting and giving me the fruitage that I am touching now. Mm. Let, me, let me say this for you. You take a seed and you put it in your pocket and you walk around with that seed for five years. What happened to the seed? Nothing. Now you take that seed and you put it in the right soil with the right soil, amount of light and this, and it, it cracks open, it sprouts, and fruitage comes out. Well, those challenges were the right soil and the right opportunities and, and what I needed to become who I am. Mm. If, if they give me any amount of money for changing who I, what I went through, I wouldn't because that is that is what made me be this, you know. Mm -hmm. You make a statue through chopping and cutting and and breaking, but then the final product is the statue. At this point, 
You might be wondering how someone who has been near the edge of life, facing death time and time again, could actually view the experiences as opportunities. Much of what Manuel shared with me is about the importance of having a rich inner life, finding time to ponder, and living in the now. This is after a lifetime that just pondering things. I love that way. I love the way the word ponder. You know, having a second language in English and being uh, with uh, Spanish, I, I, I fall in love with certain words, and one of them is ponder. You know, it, it means so much to me. You know, that that's getting in touch with the real source of everything. You ponder. And, and there is, there is some, something in there that is guiding you if you allow it to. And have you always liked that word? No, people in the world don't have time to ponder because they are out there trying to make a living and trying to solve thousand million problems. But in my case, with my uh, this illness that I have had in this last year and being now for six years in a nursing home, I have had all the time in the world to ponder, to contemplate, to be in silence when you find the true meaning of everything. The heart doesn't lie, and the meanings that come from your heart are, are full of truth and you better listen to your heart. So then is when that word ponder became so important to me. So, so the greatest gift I have had lately in my life is, is I, I, this is the most wonderful years of my life. Mm. These six years in this little room, and all I have here is silence and, and the pondering and my readings and my prayers and my contemplations and trying to be of service to anything. You can, you can service anybody through a laughter, through, through a smile. It doesn't have to be gift of millions of dollars. There is a beautiful expression in, in the scriptures that says that you only receive through giving. And, and, and the greatest gift is of the gift of service, you know, helping of anyone with no expectation. That's another, a very important thing in the equation. A service with expectation is no service. Mm. Service is no expectation. Mm-hmm. Just to fulfill the desire of, you know, of helping so service is means another sacred thing in my life, you know, to be of service in any way we can. So the word, to answer your question, the word, the way, the word pondering is is a is a, is a very powerful because it's it's like the key that opens that door that we've been trying to open with a key that doesn't fit. And through all of Manuel's pondering. He's taken that key, and he has opened doors to learn more about who he is and how he has gotten to where he is now. 
There is a saying that is very important to live in the now as a concept. All right. In my case, in my case, that has happened, but with no awareness or no intentionality that I was doing that, but I was always in the now. Mm. And I am becoming aware of that now. In this solitude that I have lived, I, I mean, I, I have had time here in six years to really walk through every avenue of my life. Wow. I'm just, I'm just amazed. And I just, I'm curious about how you're talking about how you lived in the now throughout your life and were always in the present moment. I could never be considered uh, giving me credit for any of the important things I have done in life. Why? Because they just happened. Mm-hmm. We're talking about no planning, no planning ever, nothing. Just doing things and and and, and not feeling not feeling guilty or feeling proud. Just doing things and enjoy what I was doing. Okay, Manuel's father, father wanted him to be a doctor. Be a and doctor. after three months in pre-med, Manuel decided he didn't want to be a doctor. He wasn't enjoying pre-med, and he knew that becoming a doctor wasn't the life for him. He preferred business. He wanted to create things. And in doing what felt right to him, he helped revolutionize farming in Venezuela. So I realized that, for instance, we were harvesting rice by hand. And I realized that in the state they did it by, by combines. So big things can be simple things. It, it doesn't take a, a, a brain to realize that if you have a combine and you bring it here, you harvest this rice. So I put together, as an employee, I went to work for that firm. And I, and I was involved in the first mechanized rice harvest in my country. Wow. That must have been exciting. And But, but, it's, but it's, like I said, it's, it's all common sense, you know. You don't have to be a genius for that. Then I did the same thing with what's called milking parlors. They were milking by hand, and here they were milking with machines. So let's use machines, and that's it. That's it. One of the things that amazes me about Manuel is how humble he is. He helped make farming dramatically easier and more productive for his entire country, and he looks at it as just common sense, something that just happened. I couldn't help but wonder if through all his pondering in his small room in his nursing home, whether he tends to focus more on this part of his life, the moments of success, or the many moments of pain. So when you sit down then in your room in the nursing home and you sit down to ponder, is there a time in your life that you often go back to that you think a lot about? No, no, because, 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 I mean, we're, we're trying to rationalize something that I haven't not rationalized, but I don't, 
the past doesn't exist, the future doesn't exist, the only thing that exists is this moment. With the future not existing, I wondered whether Manuel thinks much about timelines, and days ahead, and whether having a prognosis, or a sense of how much time he has left, even matters to him. You were given this prognosis many years ago, and at this point, do you feel like you want to know what that number is of when you might die, or do you really just not care? No. Death, death to me is, death to me, I don't know if it's because I've been dying all my life, it's like a joke, you know, because when you said death, death of what? Who's, who's going to die? We're not the body. In my opinion, you know, this again is my sacred beliefs of myself. I'm not telling anybody to accept what I say. But nothing dies when the body drops dead. We are not the body. We are we are the eternal self that is forever, and and we we happen to have right now in this experience of a human body. Well, that's fine, but. I have never had, and I'm not saying that as a, an attribute or, a, or, or, or something to be praised for. No, no, I just, I've been dying all my life. Maybe that made me be the way I am. That, well, to me, death, death is, is just dropping the body. What a freeing feeling that must be to believe that death is simply just dropping the body. One can see how locking eyes with death seven times before reaching old age could deeply impact your relationship with it, making it more familiar and less scary. But dying his whole life isn't the only thing that has affected how Manuel perceives death. His spirituality has also shaped his view of death the eternal self, and his gratitude for life. I have mentioned things that have contributed to me being what I am right now, correct? So one of them was being in here, being to being silent, being to ponder. I haven't mentioned being surrounded by a unique group of wonderful friends that are like guardian angels and have helped me so much. One of the things that really, really uh, uh, has grounded me and polished the, the, the values of the, the concept I have had of the inner life is reading a writer for seven years and studying his writing, and that person is Joel S. Goldsmith. Joel S. Goldsmith was a spiritual author, teacher, healer, and modern-day mystic. He was born in New York City in 1892 and spent much of his time in spiritual studies, reading original scriptures of Aramaic, Greek, and Sanskrit origins. In 1948, Goldsmith wrote the book The Infinite Way, which also became the name associated with his spiritual message and work. He made it very clear that he didn't want any organization dogma, or congregations to be associated with the infinite way message. Instead, he wanted it to be accessible to all people, regardless of their religion, 
The Infinite Way outlines spiritual principles, one important one being contemplative meditation. Goldsmith chose to quote the Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu at the beginning of his book, There is no need to run outside for better seeing, nor to peer from a window. Rather abide at the center of your being, for the more you leave it, the less you learn. Let me let me let me put it this way. What I have learned through what I have uh, working with the with the writings of Joel and with this, with being exposed to these circumstances of this medical issue. I wouldn't change it for any amount of money in the world mm. because they kept giving me the, I mean, you become unbreakable. You become, the, the, there is nothing bigger to me or to, I think, to anybody. There is nothing greater to anybody than to have peace of mind. And, and that peace has come into my life. When I think of the words peace and ponder, there is a stillness to them. A sense of acceptance. I want peace but I also want to control the outcome of my life. And I want the people who I care about to live a long, healthy, and fulfilling life. Are these words contradictory? Peace and control? To have inner peace, must you give up control? Or can you attempt to control outcomes, but also have a sense of inner peace if life doesn't turn out the way you were hoping? These are some of the big questions, and I love to imagine Manuel sitting in his room, in silence, asking big questions, and reading the words and the writings that he finds most nourishing. And like he said, When I find a word or a phrase that uh, is, is what you said, life, it's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like being in front of a delicious, dish or is, is, is so nourishing, so fulfilling, because it's talking to your inner values, to my inner values. And so I wondered what phrases related to death might be most nourishing to Manuel. And if he does believe that it is only the body that drops dead, then what happens next? Say you are in the living room of your house, huh? And circumstances are going to make you go to, the, to your room, to your bedroom. And we call that going from your living room to your bedroom. We call that, 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 uh, that change. We call that death. Well, there is no death. You just... Your, your, your eternal spiritual being is going from one place to another. 
What beautiful imagery to imagine that we simply go from one place to the next. The body drops, but life, who, who, that is who you are. We're not the body, we're life. Life is eternal. Mm. No beginning, no end. Don't try to understand, try to decipher that through thinking because the mind is a very limited tool. That's why that's that's where ponder comes in, you know. Silence, being silence. This 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 type of uh, this type of uh, of uh, issues cannot be analyzed. They have to be pondered in silence. Silence. We could all probably benefit from more of it, as well as more time to ponder. I ended up asking Manuel whether during all of his pondering he thinks about what his actual physical death will look like. His answer was no. He trusts that with the support that he has around him, everything will be okay. So while there are some of us who need to imagine our life, need to imagine what our death looks like, and plan for both in any way we can, there are others who don't need to plan who don't need to see to believe that everything will be okay. Anything that you see that is visible comes from an invisible world. Okay, I'm going to explain that. You are walking in front of a lemon tree. Well, let's say there are no lemons, just the leaves, there is no flowers. But all of a sudden, you have flowers. And all of a sudden, you have lemons. Where, where did that come from? From the tree, but, but from the, in an invisible way. The seed that I was talking to you about, you put that seed in the ground, you can get the most powerful microscope in the world, and you, you, see, you see it sprouting, but you don't see what is making it sprout. Mm. Mm-hmm. And th- that, that, that invisible thing, that's what we are. That magical thing, that's what we are. That eternal thing, that's what we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have a lot to ponder after <laughs> our conversation. Watch out, you don't have any indigestion. So much to think about. So much to ponder. Manuel, thank you so much for sharing parts of your life story. I know it's hard to try and pack 94 years into one conversation. And thank you so much for sharing the wisdom that can only be gleaned from 94 years of living and learning. And for your delightful laughter. When the time comes... I wish you a comfortable transition from the living room to the bedroom. I'm Alexandra, and this is Six Months or Less. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.
In the next episode, I'll talk with the social psychologist Sheldon Solomon, who has spent decades studying how our awareness of death affects human behavior. I hope you'll join us.